Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast on this survival Sunday where we, Aston Villa, have managed to beat all the odds from two weeks ago when we were seven points down and come back, get eight points from our last, our last four games, and we have stayed up and we get to take our place among the elite in the, in the uh, Premier League uh, for the 2020-2021 season. And today, I'm absolutely delighted. You mightn't hear it in my voice. My energy levels are low. Um, a lot of celebrating has been done after this game, and uh, I, I had a rough one last night. So I've I've enlisted the help of two people today. Uh, we have, as always, Paddy Kelly from the Munster Irish Lions Supporters Club, and Philip Drew as well, the overarching um, chairman of the Irish uh, of the Irish Supporters Club as well, is here. And uh, for the Leinster Supporters Club, shall I say, Philip is back again. We've had him on previously, and. Uh, but I may lack in energy today because it's uh, it's been a really emotionally draining day. I know that the two guys are going to are going to bring it to the podcast today because this is going to be positivity one on one. Um, this has been the positivity podcast since we started uh, the podcast, and and uh, you know I always felt that we could get out of the mire, and 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 we have, and I've been proven right. So I'm going to do a little victory dance, a little victory lap, and I'm going to say I told you so to quite a lot of people there on Twitter, but. Paddy and Philip, as I say, are here as well with me today. So firstly, Paddy, I'm going to come to you. How are you feeling? That smile kind of says it all, but smiles don't come across on podcasts. So tell us how you're feeling. <laughs> I am over the moon. I can't describe how I feel now. It's, it's, it's one of those days where you go, you'd be happy where, you know, we look back a year ago when we were happy with being 17th and we're 17th. We're happy. We're staying up. We're looking at uh, a league that we can go and attack next year. And 
who cares? I'm half pissed, probably fully pissed at this stage, but sure. Yeah. That's us. I'm sitting here in my 1991 top where we finished second in the league. So who knows what it's going to bring us next year. We'll just go for it, see what happens, and uh, up the villa. Up the villa is right. That's right. And Philip, how are you feeling today once again? Philip has a big smile from ear to ear as well. But tell us how you're feeling after that game today, Philip. I'm feeling chilled. I would have preferred us to knock in an early goal to go with the early goals that Arsenal were going in. Less of the Alex Ferguson squeaky bum time towards the end. Uh, as we knew Watford would come out and of course Deeney came out all guns blazing for them. But that's it. We've hung on. We've surpassed expectations by beating Arsenal in the week. And we've cemented our place for next year. As Paddy says, we can push on next year. FFB is abolished for next season. Now is the time to spend big while we can get away with it. Absolutely. I think that's going to be something. We like transfer window opens tomorrow, and that's something we're going to talk about in, later on in the podcast. But I want to kind of wallow in in the glory of look, you've got you've got some um I'm gonna loosely say pundits, and we've we've had a crack off Roy Keane a couple of times on this podcast. Um but like that bullshit that he comes out with there because players have given their all to try and keep this league, this team in the league and they celebrated achieving a goal that they set themselves. Regardless of whether, and this is the problem, I'm going on a tangent, it's early, but it's early in the podcast, but I'm going on a tangent. And it's a problem that the media create for themselves and that the Premier League allows them to create. That the top six, top seven, top eight teams, almost is, it's almost as if the media doesn't want any of the rest of the teams around them, that they're a noose around their neck. And when you see people like Roy Keane going, what are they celebrating staying, get, finishing 17th for and staying in the league? Well, Roy, the reason that they're celebrating something that you couldn't do with any of the teams you managed in the Premier League is the fact that they set themselves a mini goal. They achieved it and everybody can, everybody can celebrate whatever they want. Just because they're not winning... European titles and they're not winning uh, they're not winning the, the, the league championship every single year doesn't mean that they don't haven't set themselves goals came back from Project Restart the only goal was to stay up Villa achieved that they can fucking celebrate whatever they want Mr Keane you can stay unhappy for the rest of your life if you want with the chip on your shoulder to feel somebody owes you fucking something but Aston Villa are going to push on next year and it felt so good to get that off my chest but um, <laughs> 100% fail Failed said, enjoy the championship, lads. And you know what we did? We enjoyed the championship and we got out of it. And then we got up and then we stayed up and he's still unhappy. So I hope yeah. that's the end of the, the Roy Keane uh, literate at this stage because uh, we, we've had a few beers now and I couldn't care less what he thinks. We have done the hard work. Uh, we were seven points from safety two weeks ago and here we are now, us three boys. From Ireland, having the crack. In- Thankful for being uh, still in the Premier League and uh, 
What's Roy Keane? And uh, look, I, I I put out a tweet earlier. On, was it yesterday? I think I responded to Declan Pierce. Declan Pierce said, uh, had a teed up, and I said my ideal situation would be that we would uh, Arsenal would go three goals up early, and then we could moonwalk around the centre circle for a while with, with West Ham. So I got the three goals up early from Arsenal part right. So Mystic Neil was in um, was in flying form. But uh, we didn't make it easy on ourselves as opposed to today, guys. And, and in, in a tried and trusted Villa way, we didn't make it easy. Um, Arsenal almost nearly went full Arsenal on us as well by you know, allowing Watford to come back to 3-2. Never really felt like that Watford were ever going to score enough goals or win, or, or win by enough that, that we, were, we were going to be in trouble from them. But then, it then even to kind of compound the misery was Bournemouth held up their part of the bargain and ended up winning 3-1. So we were under attack from all areas. And uh, I suppose, guys, I really just want to want to kind of feel, when Jack got that goal, it was kind of against the run of play. It was kind of out of nothing, you know. It was, there was a lull in the game and next thing he scored. Then to go down the other end of the field and for Yarmolenko to, to have a freak goal. Like, those goals don't get scored against other teams usually. It was an absolute freak goal. What was... Describe that sixty seconds of um, of insanity, Philip. What did you? What was going through your mind when? Uh, I suppose first of all, when Jack scored uh, with five minutes to go, and then all of a sudden we're straight back to square one again, and um, and uh, Watford were on the charge at that stage. So, Philip, what were you feeling when that happened? Well, just before Jack scored, I, I was chatting away to Nathan and my son and saying that this is typical for us that. We never get more than 40% of possession. And if we're defensively solid, we've always got a chance of catching them on the break. And Jack went and did it. And that's probably, apart from the Arsenal game, that's probably the most incisive he's, he's been um, in, in the game since the project restart. As he admits himself, he hasn't been on top form since he came back. Uh, to be honest, the Yarmolenko goal, I only saw it on a replay because I was walking around the sitting room delighted that Jack had scored and... Uh, my wife was in a different room, so bringing her up to speed, and that. And then I've seen it all afterwards. Uh, chatting, uh, Pepe Reina, uh, pretty much apologising for the Yarmolenko one going in because he uh, he said he he miscalculated where it was going with the spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a freak of a goal. I don't think there's very many keepers are are stopping that. It came with such spin on it um, from hitting off Jack uh, Jack's leg that. Um, I don't think anyone, like very few keepers would, would have actually stopped that and don't hold it against him at all. Uh, I was just glad that Jack kind of kept the lid on it. He looked like he was about yeah. to blow straight after that goal and he could easily have gone and thrown himself into a stupid tackle and, and got a yellow or a red even um, for just a, a bit of bad luck. But it was enough and West Ham weren't that great on the day. They were already on their holidays. We looked nervous. Uh, we certainly weren't as composed as we were uh, against Arsenal. Uh, Matty Target nearly gave away a penalty and then gave away a free kick all within three seconds uh, right on the edge of the box. He looked nervous. Gilbert wasn't as quite as composed as he was against Arsenal. But McGinn, Jack, Douglas Louise as usual as we're used to saying we're just settled and doing it there. Samata was chasing left, right and centre as he usually does to close down. Had a couple of headers. Still didn't quite do what he gets paid to do, put the ball in the goal. But you have to kind of credit him with chasing down defenders and the keeper to try and get the ball back. And it gives our defence and midfield 
that extra couple of seconds to get organised. Mm-hmm. But I say Bournemouth, fair play to them. I haven't seen the highlights from them, but they obviously said, listen, it's do or die. We've got nothing to do. Watford did the same. Uh, from what I have seen of the Arsenal and Watford game, pretty much the two keepers were men of the match. Yeah. Because uh, Foster pulled off a few great saves off of Bamiang as well to keep them in with a chance. So it, it's just... And Emmy, Emmy, Martinez's, Emmy Martinez's save was just breathtakingly good from from Danny Welbeck's um, back heel. It was fantastic. But um, And that is true. You know, we did... That, that game seemed like it was a rip-roar, you know, but... Uh, uh, all we needed to do was keep our heads on straight, and we we came through it after getting a draw, one all draw, and and uh, yeah, look, it's just been a fantastic series of events, I think, throughout the course of the day. Paddy, what were you thinking when you uh, when you saw that ball hit off Jack's leg and it loop up into the air? Did you? Uh, what was going through your mind? Not again. Well, it's a strange situation because we've just had that unmerciful uh, roar of dancing around the sitting room, me and Stephen, and uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to put put a feeling on it because you're, you're just beginning to sit back down after that complete euphoria. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the ball's in the back of the net. And everybody has done exactly as you expect them to do. They close down the shot mm-hmm. and you the goalkeeper to deal with it. and he didn't and it's not his fault it's completely not his fault if he if he's three or four inches taller he deals with it but that's mm-hmm. that's like if his arms are three or four and that's that's it doesn't matter now it really doesn't yeah you know and it's um it's you, you can't really fault anyone for it but they you know it's just yeah. one of those goals. As an amateur keeper myself, the one thing I want to do is see my defenders going out and blocking the shot. If it yeah. loops off into flex in or something like that, I don't particularly care because yeah. nine times out of ten or even more, it's going to stop a shot coming in on target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did lose the rag in fairness to him. He did lose the rag and then realised, well, maybe I should have been a little bit stronger. Mm. And he admitted much afterwards that maybe he should have got to it, maybe he was flat-footed, whatever. It's yeah. it's irrelevant now. It's irrelevant. Just just like the goal scored. We're still in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. Just we uh, had scored uh, forty five seconds earlier. It might have been a different story, but who yeah. cares? It was really public enemy matter. number one, I think, at this stage. Yeah. But um, yeah. no, he had a, and he did have a have a decent game, you know, back there. I know that West Ham didn't have an awful lot, uh, you know, didn't have an awful lot of shots on goal. Declan Rice had a lot of wayward shots, and so on. Miguel Antonio's chance at the start of the game, which uh, oh, I, I thought that was for all the world that was a goal. Um, and I actually think that the ref might have got it wrong. I think uh, I don't know. Did did somebody get Rain, a finger on, on that? Did he get well, a touch on that? Yeah. And it was, it wasn't. Uh, the goal, I believe so too. Their goal was the only shot on target they had all game, even though they had yeah. 60% possession, you know, and had more of it around the box than we did. Coming in, we had, I think, we had three or four shots on target, which was yeah, it's not bad yeah. for an away team. Oh, I, I thought that we were actually going to ruin off a lot of those because Jack Grealish had, a, had an opportunity in the first half, um, almost in the ex- identical position to where he scored from. And uh, he tamely kind of put it into the goalkeeper's arms. McGinn had a shot that was brutal 
I don't know what he was thinking of doing. Not only was it going about six foot wide, but it was literally like, it was like as if he just blew on the ball as opposed to kicking it. It was very tame. And uh, yeah. had a couple of headers and so on that were on target and, and that. And Keenan, uh, Keenan Davis nearly scored as well. He had a, a, had a good shot, just went across the, across the goals. But, yeah, um, yeah. Another left-footed effort, yeah. And And Trezeguet just hadn't followed in. He wasn't close enough. He was two yeah, yards yeah. away. But the McGinn one, he just wasn't prepared. The, 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 the ball got headed across and he, he didn't expect that it came past two of our players, got a touch off one of them and passed two of our players. And he was getting closed down. He just swung a leg and hoped. And yeah. unlike the other the other goals we've seen, McGinn swing a leg at half hoping it was nowhere near the quality we're used to from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and overall in the game today, who's your who was the outstanding performer for you guys? You know, take everything out of it. Uh, I know Jack got the goal and so on, but would it be Jack Grealish? Would he be your man of the match for today, or would, was there somebody who really stood up and took the took the game by the scruff of the neck for you? Got you, Philip. Um, I, I'd, I'd say mine's probably joint between Jack and Douglas Louise. And, uh, like, to be honest, uh, the, the player of the month for us has been Trezeguet and Van Dapp, but he was largely absent today. But, um, like, Jack obviously scoring, Jack driving the for- club forward and, and driving the team forward with the love he's got for it. But then just having Douglas Louise solid behind him. It looked like he did nothing today, but that's when you know he's having a good game. Exactly. Because you, yeah. you don't notice him there. Yeah. What about you, Paddy? 100% agree. Uh, Douglas Louise, for me, since lockdown has been absolutely fantastic. Um, when, you, when you look across the team for the first, till, till, till maybe the first water break, you probably look at an awful lot of cagey performances. I thought uh, I thought a lot of them struggled to get into the game. Um, very hard to pick a man of the match in that we kind of we we let them have the ball late in the game, and, and in fairness, we scored a goal, and that's fucking fantastic. It really is. Um, but nothing else matters other than we're in the we're in the Premier League next year. But there was an awful lot of cagey performances. And in fairness, West Ham weren't at the races early on. If they were, they could have punished us. And that's what concerns me. So hopefully we'll learn from that. We'll push on next year and we'll look at, we'll look at the performances we had. But Target looked, he gave the ball away. Gilbert gave the ball away. McGinn look, looks better with every game. I think the pre-season now that he has between here and, and starting again will help him. Yeah. Um, even even Connor gave the ball away stupidly early on, uh, as is as did Douglas Louise. So, but look, it's it's irrelevant. It's we're we're looking we're we're looking into September of this year, still being a Premier League team. Uh, I would like to tip my hat to Pepe Reina because I think we we really need to appreciate what he's done for the team. I know I spoke weeks ago that we needed to put Nyland in and make him our, t- our, uh, our number one. And, you know, let's tip the hat to Pepe Arena because he has been fantastic since the restart mm-hmm. and he deserves it. And uh, regardless of what he decides to do in his future, I'll be immensely uh, happy for what he's done in the last three or four weeks, especially since he took over from Nyland. 
And I, yeah, and I think th- th- he pot- there, there could be potentially a conversation. See, does he want to win your contract or something? But Philip, sorry, I cut you off. You were no, no. I was just gonna to say about Reina. Like you can just see him the videos. I'm celebrating in the dressing room after. Like uh, when you were saying about Roy Keane a few weeks ago, he said at the start of one of the games that, oh, no, we've got plenty of quality in the side. These guys play for each other. And by halftime, he'd already changed his mind that no no one was playing for each other. There wasn't any team uh, mentality there together. But you just see the celebrations in the dressing room today. It's exactly like this Liverpool semi-final in the Cup a couple of years ago. It's exactly after like the same after the playoff win. Um, Yeah, Reina made a few mistakes uh, since he came in. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely has had his part to play. Um, I, when possible, have been watching the games without the simulated crowd noise on, and you can just hear Reina and Mings organising everything. Elmo as well when he's there, and you, you don't get that with Nyland. You don't get that probably with Steer. You would get it with Heaton, but mm-hmm. that's just because that's the level of keeper they are. That's the confidence they've got and the ability they've got. And I felt it was harsh on Sarkic being called back from his loan in Scotland to be subkeeper behind Nyland when uh, Heaton got injured and then to have uh, Reina parachuted in ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But as it's proven, it was necessary and it did the job. Like uh, mm-hmm. he, he pulled off a few good saves against Arsenal and uh, he was helpful organising and he did get a touch on that Antonio chance, he, even though the barest, or even he blew on it as it went by. Something happened, but it was enough to take a pass the post. Exactly, exactly. And I suppose that kind of runs true into, um, you know, that Dean Smith had a lot of decisions to make. Uh, he's had a lot of decisions to make since lockdown, and we're a very pro-Dean Smith podcast here. Uh, I've never seen the, the reasoning behind people wanting Dean Smith out um, I think it was a lot of it was petulance, and I've been pretty vocal on that. But I think Dean Smith, Dean Smith gets a real round of applause for the last uh, for for every, literally everything he's done. I think since uh, since lockdown has ended, he's found a new bit of stability. He had to make that hard call of bringing in uh, maybe do we start Nylands? Do we start uh, do we start Reina? And and he got it right. He's made the hard calls, and and, and he's owned those hard calls, you know. And it's um, just really happy for him. We have. A uh, manager that is a Villa lad. He he has brought us up from the championship. He brought us to a cup final, and he's kept us in the league. What more could you want from a first uh, manager managing in the Premier League for the first time? He's got this. He's get, getting an identity with this team, and he's getting a structure as well. And Paddy, what way do you think? Um, how do you think Smith got the got the game? Uh, Today, did he like? There was a lot of tactical substitutions made early on, which I actually really liked the look of. But what did you kind of view? What way did you view Dean Smith's uh, performance today from the touchline? But like, I'm his biggest fan. I'm 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 so happy for him and Jack Grealish that we stayed up because, you know, with all due respect, to everyone else, they're all disposable. They could all go to any club they want. But I believe. In Dean Smith, I always have believed in Dean Smith. I am so happy for him that we've stayed up. Um, don't get me wrong, we all make mistakes. Uh, he, he had a number of things that have gone against him over, over the season. But at the end of the day, we all went up this season going, we just need to finish 17th. Mm-hmm. And, you know... 
next season, I don't know who's going to be making the signings or I really hope they give him every opportunity possible to, to, to show what he can do. And this is, because this is a long-term project. It's not, it's not about just staying up and bringing in the likes of Allardyce or Pearson to keep you up. I, I don't believe, you know, that this is the way to go. I, I think Watford got what they deserved by sacking the manager. I think it's absolutely disgraceful what they did to my, Nigel Pearson, who's a good football man. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we have, at the end of the day, come out with our, our heads held high, kept Dean Pearson, or Dean Smith in that job, and we're all happy. And it, it, you, you just can't fault them. You know, there, there's so many people, week in, week out, they go, you should have done this earlier, you should have done that earlier. But we are where we are. Mm-hmm. Given the players that he has to work with, um, probably not 90% of them probably weren't his players. So, you know, let's applaud him. Let's be thankful that we have him and let's hope that he can push us on and be a Brian Little or a John Gregory or whoever you compare him to, to being yeah. one of our own and, and, and make us, you know, our, our, uh, our stable, you know, yeah. our stable team in the Premier League because it's fantastic. It really is. This is a guy that, uh, you know, was the nearly man with Brentford for so long. Uh, I had the fortune of meeting him earlier in the season and chatting with him. His wife's family are from Wexford. He's a Villa fan. He stood and spoke to my son for so long that day and just talking about football and just a genuine football man. And I genuinely wish him the best. I really, really want us to want him to be the man that, that drives us on from here. Excellent. And uh, the reason I bring up Dean Smith Philip is that there was uh, there was murmurings that he was going to be replaced uh, on Twitter today. Uh, almost directly after the match, there was talk that um, is it Bruno Lage? It was uh, was supposed to come in from a Portuguese manager, uh, formerly of Benfica. But I think uh, just in the last few moments, there's been a tweet to say that that doesn't look like it's going to be the situation. That uh, Nassif Suarez seems to be buying um, Vitoria uh, de Gumarish, um which is a Portuguese team, Portuguese. and uh, the, the Bruno Lage will be. Um, would be installed there as coach, which for me is actually really interesting because uh, are we going down the Man City model? Like Man City have have fingers in lots of pies with Granada and all those all these different. Is it Granada, Girona? Sorry, it is. And and they they they're able to use them as feeder teams. Um, do we look at maybe creating a a, a, a base there? I know that that the owners have been looking at buying um. A, oh, the name escapes me. There's another club in Denmark as well. They were looking at maybe purchasing a, or a stake in that as well. So this for me is really interesting. But from Dean Smith's point of view, uh, Philip, what would you like to see from him, or what? 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 Or should I say more so? What has been your your, your overarching feeling from him? His first year managing in the Premier League, and uh, and where would you like to see him go from from here on for next year as he guides this team? Pretty much like Paddy, I met him briefly when the players were coming in. Um, when I was over for a chairman's meeting, uh, the chairman's meeting tends to start about one o'clock and the players arrive about 11. So we have to get the early flight over to that. So we get there when the, we, we're there for when the players arrive and 
my son can get signatures and stuff like that. And we were chatting to Dean as well and saying, yeah, wife's family are half Wexford, half Donegal. And uh, kind of, he's, he's just, a, he's a nice guy. And it, it's nice to see there's no pretense, there's no effort there. Like, you can imagine chatting to him in the pub, watching the match if he wasn't, because he'd just be there as a, another fan. As Paddy said, got so close with Brentford on very, very limited funds. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the players that he wanted to get in um, and asked to be brought in, Ben Rama and Maupay. Uh, but it was decided by Suso and whoever that they would go for the likes of Wesley and and uh, Trezeguet and things like that. But if you look at those two players, between them, I think they've scored about 18 goals and they assisted about 18 goals. That would have been the difference between us finishing at 17th and us finishing at about 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and I think that's what I would like to see. I, um, the attitude that, sure, you can get more for your book in Europe, we've seen this season and we've seen in the past, doesn't really work. It's you're bringing players that are, are might be great in their league, might be great internationally, but the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. Look at Syria, look at who are the best or two of the top performers in Syria this league you, this season. You've got Lukaku and you've got Chris Smalling. Not to slate either of those, but they didn't set the world alight with United. They didn't set the league alight when they were in the Premier League. And they found a league where it's not as fast, it's not as physical. They get a bit more time to decide what they're doing. The Premier League, you don't get that. It's like we saw from the Championship. You might have two seconds to decide what you're doing in the Championship. You've only got one in the Premier League. So I'd like to see uh, Smith be given either the reins or a serious input into who he wants to come in now and does money to spend. Uh, because we, we're seeing from tweets in the week about various young European players getting brought into the academy. Mm-hmm. The academy will be ready and will be in great form, I'm sure, in five years' time. But we need to kind of mat- not go mad and replace the entire squad now. But we need to bring in some experience and some quality players now to, for the, to keep us for the next couple of years, get us a nice stable position in the league. And then we'll start, hopefully, the academy will start producing. But I think that's it. I think I can understand if people were hesitant in the hierarchy. I don't know whether that was the case about giving Smith a complete say over transfers. But, like, he needs to... I, I, maybe a football director or someone there to help him on a contract basis or to help mm-hmm. look at players who's got a lot of experience. But you're kind of going, well, we've got John Terry there. John Terry now is a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there are people around there, around the club that do. But I think that the Suso thing, hopefully it's an experiment because unfortunately it didn't work. Mm-hmm. We've brought two strikers that didn't hit the mark, didn't set the, the, the world ablaze. Uh, like you've got Jack there. Jack's our top scorer with eight goals in the league. Like yeah. To be honest, we're lucky we survived with a top scorer with eight goals in the league. Yeah, uh, and, and, and just to go back to what you're saying, the thing about Project Restart, Smith said earlier in his post-match interview that he thought it worked well. It, Project Restart worked very well for us. We were leaking two goals a game on average before the break for COVID-19 and the lockdown. Uh, before today's game, we were averaging, I think, 1.1. Mm-hmm. 
and we kept three clean sheets and we kept a clean sheet against Arsenal. There's not much more. We couldn't have done much better than that. And to be honest, we were defensively drilled perfectly for the Arsenal game. A bit too too many nerves out there today defensively. So we weren't as, as on top form as we were. But that's it. I think Smith has learned. He knows he's made mistakes. Everyone knows he's made mistakes. But we, as we say, we all make mistakes. Uh, it's like keepers. Keepers make a mistake and they're lambasted because a, a mistake there normally costs you a goal. Uh, it's the same thing with with Engels trying to control the ball in this game against Spurs instead of letting it slide underneath his foot and Son getting on to it. When mistakes cost you points, cost you goals, cost you matches, everyone's going to be upset about that. But we have to stick with someone. We've been changing managers too often. You change a manager, you end up changing half the squad. That's not the way to go. And, and that's why we will end up in a state of flux up and down all the time if we do that. Mm-hmm. We need it now is a time for a bit of stability. And hopefully it's from a villa man. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree completely. Um yeah, and, and, and look, I suppose a lot of things will be written over the next few days about maybe players leaving the club and, and maybe uh, about Dean Smith's future and stuff. But uh, I, for one, still feel unbelievably positive about what 2020-21 has to, has to bring. We don't get much of a break from football at the moment because we're going we're straight into the, to the transfer window opens tomorrow. It would be interesting to see who pulls the trigger first uh, and makes that big splash early. I think what Villa may have learned from last year was to get their business done early this year because the players are going to going to get two weeks off and there's going to be an abridged four week um training period for uh for reacclimatization i suppose really and then we're back into the league then in the middle of september so this isn't ain't going to slow down anytime soon um i suppose just before we kind of wrap up the podcast we Today obviously is the end of the season, the end of our first season back in the Premier League after after our absence. What, Paddy? I'm going to come to you first. This one. What was your highlight of the season? What moments uh, do you remember most fondly from the whole season? That's a fucking difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you went to you first. Yeah, I'm glad you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Philip is glad you went to me first. Um. I think for me personally, the most important thing is we stayed up. So today is the highlight, no matter what anybody says. The most important thing was that we stayed up. It was the strangest day. I got up this morning and all I wanted to do was clean the house. I never went to fucking clean the house. (laughs) But all I wanted to do this morning was clean the house. So I cleaned the house. I sat down. I had completely the house at my mercy because my wife knew how strange the day was because she's never experienced that in my in my lifetime and her lifetime as you know so for me today was the most important thing um i would i would have to say that i feel sorry for watford because when when you look back at what they did, um, I landed in Stansted Airport going to the Carabao Cup final, and the the guy across the the aisle from me nudged me and went, "What for the bet after beating Liverpool?" And I thought, "What?" Mm-hmm. You know these things. When you look back at them, 
were the ones that made our season and made us made us have to be stronger to go back to where we are today to to give ourselves a fighting chance to stay up. Um, Watford were probably the ones that will miss out more than anything else. As much as I'm happy that Troy Deeney is going to be relegated, and don't get me wrong, he'd probably be back up with somebody else because he's a fighter, and you want a fighter in your team. Um, very hard to very hard to uh, pick a, a a spot that will live long in the memory. But beating Crystal Palace without that was the springboard for for the last whatever it was four games. So I think. Uh, beating Crystal Palace along with the unfortunate thing of uh, Theo Walcott scoring the header will live long in my memory. But uh, today was what it was. Jack Grealish got the goal. So happy for our captain. And he is our captain. And I, I hope for a long, long time he'll be our captain because I believe in him and I believe in Dean Smith. And I firmly believe that today was a turning point in our club and I really hope that everybody gets behind them and who knows, they could be the captain and the manager for many, many years to come. But they have my backing, so it remains to be seen what happens in the next, who knows, three or four weeks, whether Dean Smith is still there. He's still at the mercy of the, the owners of the club, but for me, he's my man. I'm happy. Bring it on. Excellent. And what about you, Philip? What was your highlight of the season? I suppose my two highlights of the season were the the trip to Wembley for the Carabao Cup final. Firstly and foremost, we were in with our fellow Lion Clubs, uh, chairman and members from around the world, which is always nice to see them. They're as much family as our local members at this stage. And it was nice to go to Wembley uh, for a game that... Not many gave us a chance of winning, but we knew after two playoff finals there, if we won it, yeah, great. If we didn't, it didn't matter. It wasn't costing us our future. It was great just to be able to go. It's not the end of the world if we don't win this and we didn't win it. Uh, and then the other one I had was the, the, the Arsenal game last week. Uh, as, as we say, a lot of people have criticised Smith. A lot of people criticised... Terry's involvement on how we weren't, haven't, haven't been defensively. But that, uh, the, the few passes from Jack uh, in that game down to Keenan just showed what the possibilities were. And then especially, my standout moment from that game, apart from the, the entire defence being um, very rigorous and like a, a brick wall and putting everything on the line every time, was Gilbert celebrating, putting the ball off Tierney for a goal kick. Like, he couldn't have celebrated more if he'd scored himself. And that just showed how much it meant to every player on that pitch, considering this was a guy who didn't start the game. He was a sub due to injury. And he just had the, the belief and the passion just to get it in there. Today's game, I think I'm probably going to forget pretty quickly because it doesn't matter. And it, it's done the job. That's it. Um, like, yeah, Jack's goal against United, yeah, brilliant. Just showed what he can do. 
but today's their game will just go, yeah, oh yeah, that West Ham game, we we drew it. That's all we needed to do. It's not gonna. It wasn't memorable. It's memorable for what it achieved, but it wasn't a memorable game. I think my favourite highlight from the year was Trezeguet's last minute winner in the in the semi final against Leicester. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was one of those ones you didn't see it coming and it gave Villa hope in a time when we were doing doing poorly, I suppose, really, and we were uh, in the mire from a results point of view, but it gave us something to look forward to going to Wembley. And uh, and, and that winner, I think, for, for Trezeguet, um, because it was an unlikely source, number one. And number two, you know, Leicester were all conquering at that stage. You know, they were running, well, they were running Liverpool close, but they were the next... Uh, I suppose they were they were second in the league at that stage, and their fall from grace actually almost almost directly since that game they've had a real fall from grace, and and they just bombed out of the Champions League slots today as well, finishing fifth. And uh, I don't some strange kind of sound bites coming out from Brendan Rodgers saying that Leicester didn't need to get into the Champions League, and it was almost a very defeatist thing. Um, but uh, yeah, some strange things there. But I think that that was that was probably. Um, my highlight because uh, once again it came out of nowhere it gave us a trip to Wembley gave us a trip to a cup final even though we ended up losing it uh, for me that was great it was great to see um, that goal and it, you know the club was was kind of put back on the map again getting to a cup final I know as I said we didn't win it is is always still a, a very good achievement especially with our first year back in the league so guys that's going to draw yeah. a line on, on, on kind of on our season I think it's been a <laughs> It's been the longest season ever, like figuratively and <laughs> and emotionally, you yeah. know. So it's uh, it's been a long one, and we've we've only got a short little break before we see football again. And to be honest with you, next next year it could be football nearly for the full twelve months because uh, we have obviously the Premier League is finished now. We've got the FA Cup next week, and then we're into Champions League and Europa League. Then at the end of at the end of August, and we're back into Premier League stuff. Then again. Uh, from the middle of September, so it's going to be going to be an interesting ride over the next few weeks. Very interested to see what kind of transfer acquisitions and player acquisitions that happen. You know, there's a couple of names that just don't go away that they keep on being linked to to Villa. So it'll be interesting to see where we strengthen, how we look at it. There's a full podcast in that itself, or a full podcast series in that. So I'm not going to delve down a rabbit hole in that with you guys at the moment, but um, yeah, I I think that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. I'm. It's it's nearly twelve. It's nearly twelve midnight here, and uh, it, it's been an absolutely amazing day. I'm drained mentally and physically from uh, from the the sequence of events over that ninety minutes. And uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, you can probably hear the, yeah the the octaves. My my voice is about two or three octaves lower. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm going to enjoy. More, I'm going to lower than they should be when we're when we're celebrating staying in the Premier League, and it's exactly. just fantastic. Exactly. Some of us have to work tomorrow as well. Exactly. I've got to work tomorrow too. And you know what? I don't care how hungover I am tomorrow. <laughs> it's this, all it, worth it. This is all we wanted. This is all we wanted was to stay up. So enjoy it. Embrace it. Yeah. Look forward for the next six weeks to who we buy, who we sell. That's a whole other podcast in itself. So yeah. enjoy it. It's a pleasure being here with you two guys. Great disrespect for you. Uh, I'm sorry that I've had too many beers today, but you know what? I don't you, know why you deserve it. I don't know why I'm apologizing because I fucking needed it. It's not the first time, Paddy, and it won't be the last, don't worry. <laughs> exactly. It's, exactly. it's exactly. the passion of the club. Well, that's it. I saw at the final whistle that uh, BT were 
promoting the FA Cup final and the Europa League final and the Champions League final on a going. I don't care. I'm not watching another match for the next <laughs> three or four weeks. There's no need. There's been enough. We need a break. Now we can relax and start thinking positive for thoughts for next year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what it is. Um, we won't be taking a break with the podcast at all. I'm. Um, I, we're going to continue straight through. We're going to keep you up to date with any of the transfer news, any of the rumblings, any of the rumblings of any changes in, in the backgrounds from any of the, whether it be uh, player acquisition staff, whether it be, whether it be um, backroom staff or whatever, we'll come to you with something. Um, I need to fill my week and this podcast has been really cool to be able to fill my week with. So <laughs> you're, uh, you're not going to get any breaks from me anyway for over, over the next few weeks. Uh, I just want to say, you know, Paddy, especially here, Paddy, thank you so much for being right hand man on this uh, over the last um well, really, I, there was a time between December and February where I had a lot going on with work-wise and I didn't get to, there was about four weeks where I didn't get to podcast. And Paddy sent me a message going, hey, come here, did you pack in that podcast game? And I said, no, I have. I remember the day, it was the 2nd of February, I was sitting in Woody's, would you believe, and a DIY <laughs> store, and I was, getting a, I was getting the kitchen modeled up for an extension that we were going to do to our house that we, we didn't go ahead with. And Paddy texts me and I goes, actually, yeah, there's the kick up the hole I need now to get back podcasting. And since then, we've been, we've been pretty regular and uh you know i genuinely i don't know whether i would have come back to to to, to do the podcast this quick if i didn't get that that text message from petty so thanks a million for that and he's been on uh, every uh, every pod since really and um, thanks a million to you as well philip for popping on today and um, i'm sure we'll be chatting to you again in over over the next few weeks and months i'm going to try and expand this i would love if we could get the podcast to go to three four episodes a month um, so to do that, we might need bodies on board as well. And, and obviously, Philip, you know, there's very few people who know as much about the club inside and out than, than you as well. So, um, you know, you might be hearing a bit more of Philip on the podcast as well over the next few weeks and months. But uh, yeah, as I say, um, thank you to the two guys. And, and, and as I said, thank you to Paddy um, for that as well. Um, so that's going to do it. That's We're going to draw a line under the 2019-2020 season. Um, it's going to be... It's a different season, a season we will never see the like of, of ever again. Um, but I think the really big thing is that we've come out of this fighting and that we uh, still have a Premier League status. So you can find me and you can find the, the podcast on at Mac for the love of nearly forgot the the link on it again because uh, I just changed it recently. So if you're if you're looking for the for the old handle, it's not there anymore. It's at Mac for the love of love to get interaction there. We've had tons and tons of new followers. Um, if there's anything you see that you see that's tweeted there, please like it. Please retweet it as well. It, it, it gives us great traction. You can follow Paddy on at Villa Paddy, and you'll be able to catch him there. Philip, what's your Twitter handle? So guys can say I'm follow. at Philip Drew D R E W all one word. Or the Leinster Lions are on Twitter and Facebook at uh, AVFC Irish Lions, all one word. AVFC Irish Lions. What's the Munster Lions? We don't we don't promote the Munster Lions uh, club half enough, Paddy. What's the? Um, I'm actually not sure uh, what the. I'm, I'm actually just flabbergasted because you've you've got the uh, the new uh, you got the new uh, podcast name wrong. At- <laughs> 
Why, what it's did I put? At love of anymore. Oh, it's not Matt for the love of it. Yeah, at love McGrath pod. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. All habits die hard. Uh, what, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll link the Munster Line supporters as well stuff because, look, guys, I suppose the biggest thing here as well is that the guys are, are running the supporters club. Um, there should be one up here in Connacht. I know Paddy's going to probably get on to me over the next few weeks to try and get one set up here for uh, for uh, for ourselves up here in Galway. But um, and I will think I will think about it, Paddy. I certainly will. But um, with travel, you know, going to be eased and stuff like that. A lot of you guys who are listening to the podcast are based in the UK. If you come to Ireland, at least you know whether it'll be a friendly face to watch a Villa game. If you are. Um, coming abroad, and 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 you know you'll have you'll have bases at least that you can check out, you know, to meet fo- meet fellow Villa fans. If if you uh, as I say, if you don't want to miss a match, or if you've got a very understanding significant other who wants to go and watch the Villa game with you, so even a bit of promotion for that is fantastic because the guys put in tons and tons and tons of work with their clubs and uh, and their members and, and and getting the games shown as well. So we'll do a bit more promotion on that too. Um, so, guys, that's going to do it. As I said, 2019-2020 is over and done with. We look forward now to 2020-2021 as a Premier League club. It's going to be really interesting to see where we kick on to from here. So, on behalf of myself and uh, and the guys, I just want to thank everybody for everything they've done. <laughs> so, all that's left to say is up the villa. <laughs> up the villa. Up the villa. We're staying up. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.